you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Around the NFL podcast now has its best producer. <laughs> Interesting. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Love it. Behind the glass, a little heat. Cam Molina <laughs> filling in. The notorious CAM filling in. Uh, for Erica Montosi. What's her name? Tamposi? Montosi. Excuse me? <laughs> Is that the old right fielder for the Dodgers? <laughs> Erica? She's been gone for like 70 hours and we've forgotten her name. Is that how this works? And immediately... Cam makes a bold move there. What I love is Cam, he's like, guys, like, oh, there's no December folder for like the money drops. Let me just see if I can find one that might fit the bill. And then he drops like a nuclear bomb on Erica. Yeah, that was all set up. Well it was done. a power move in, in <laughs> essence. Yeah. Uh, all right. Welcome, Cam. Welcome, everybody listening. It is late Sunday night, week 16, another action-packed week in the NFL. Some good games on Saturday, some great games on Sunday, and we're going to get to all of them because we are, Greg, now inside of two weeks. Greg. Uh, it's a co- We're completists. you got to do every game. We're inside of two weeks before the premiere of The Masked Singer. Oh, I was Only on Fox. I was wondering where you're going. I mean, yes. just, all this just to lead up to that. The games do feel bigger this time of year, but I think that's mostly because The Masked Singer is so close. Yeah, the calendar's moving so slow, but it's because we're just trying to get to that debut of The Masked Singer. The way they've crafted those January commercials 3rd, to Fox. give you a little bit more of a sneak peek about what the show's about with each week, it's just like, oh, get here Sunday, get here again. All right. We're going to dig into all the games. Wes, any thoughts on – Wes is dealing with some stuff. He spilled some uh, apple juice <laughs> on his laptop today, so you could tell he's in a little bit of an existential funk. Well, I honestly have – that's the first time I've heard of The Masked Singer. <laughs> no. It We've is. have been talking te- about it for three weeks. I have not heard of they The Masked Singer. About 5,000 commercials, Wes, I don't, over the course of the uh, last month and a half. My mind really wanders when it's commercial time. <laughs> um, all right, well – You'll be sitting with me in my living room on January 3rd on Fox. All right. 
We're going to get to all the games now. So much to get to. We're excited. Let's start with a game that ranks up there. Some people might put it in the top ten at the end of the season. But, Greg, it's been such a big season. Maybe not. Either way, a great game. Let's go to the Superdome. Roethlisberger takes the snap, drops back, three-man rush, throws over the middle. That ball is caught across the 40 to 40. Ball is out. Ball is out. The ball is out. The Saints have recovered it. The ball is out. That ball is out. Sheldon Rankins grabs with his left, rolls and punches it out with his right hand, and the New Orleans Saints are going to win this one. Unbelievable play. Zach Streep, WWL with the call. Yes, Juju Smith-Schuster coughed up the football just as the Steelers were entering field goal range. The most costly of several Steelers miscues down the stretch in a Saints 31-28 win with the victory. The Saints moved to 13-2. They clinch home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. The Steelers, meanwhile, go from first place in the AFC North to the outside looking in with a week to play. They need a win and help to make the playoffs. Greg, we're going to get to the Saints in a moment, but let's start with the Steelers. They are hard to figure out. They are because they could be outside of the playoffs, and yet I think if you just watched them the last two weeks, you would think this is a team that could win the Super Bowl. I mean, they went to New Orleans, they outgained the Saints, you know, supposedly the best home field advantage in the league, and they were rocking, and they were in position to win this game despite turning the ball over two times on fumbles in the second half in the Saints' territory, uh, despite, you know, failing on a fake punt with six minutes to go, despite the officials giving seven points to the Saints early in that game because of a pass interference. They're a talented team that are fun to watch, and that's why I think if you're a Steelers fan, this one hurts about as much as any Tomlin regular season win because it feels like they're so close, and yet they might be watching the playoffs. It's insane. I would push that back even further than two weeks. I think the whole season they've looked. Yeah. And, you know, this team, you're playing with fire, Scarecrow. How many fourth quarters are you going to blow? Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, Saints. They, they have to blame themselves. That You know, you can blame Juju Smith-Schuster for the fumble, but all of those games. That was a great play by Sheldon Rankins, which is kind of a fitting way for the Saints to win this, is they did get stops, and that's why people, people are killing Tomlin for the decision to do the fake punt. I get it, but everyone failed at the end of this game. The defense had chances to close this game out. The Steelers got the ball back with 6.30 to go. They didn't pick up a first down. That's what forced the fake punt. When they got the ball back then, I'm thinking a good team here chews up three or four minutes of clock, maybe puts more points on the board. They couldn't do it. If there was one thing that I would argue that keeps it out of the top 10 games of the year, because for me it was one in, in almost every respect, except for the fact that the officials Terrible refused to get out of the narrative over and over, almost like if we hadn't heard from them in a long, decisive, winding fashion in three or four minutes, they kind of popped back in and said, hey, remember us, we're here, let us interfere with this game one more time and take it down a strange river. They essentially gifted, and a lock for you, Mark, there, that's eight in a row, I believe. Nine. Nine. They essentially gifted the Steelers their first seven points, uh, excuse me, gifted the Saints their first seven points on a phantom uh, P.I. call on Joe Hayden on a fourth down call. That was unbelievable. On a fourth down call, it was just a, a brutal call. And as the game went on, you could have pointed out, and I'm sure from both sides you could do this, a lot of suspect calls where you just want the refs to kind of take a step back, get out of the way, and they couldn't do that. But what I, what I think about with this game and again, the Saints, they took care of business in their building, but I do not think they're invincible. I think they're, they're showing signs that they can be beat um, by a team that knows how to close out a game. And the, and the Steelers shrunk in the crucible here. When, the, mm. when, it, when it mattered most, 
uh, a, a Stephen Ridley fumble when they had a chance to go up either seven um, or ten. Uh, the fake punt call, which I thought was Tomlin getting a little antsy, giving it to the fullback in fourth and five, not converting that. And then the juju fumble just as they were reaching field goal range. That all happened in the final minutes of this game with the team season on the line, Wes. Teams that are real teams, that are playoff teams, that are Super Bowl teams, don't shrink like that. And all of that will serve to overshadow a great game from Ben Roethlisberger, who was making some eye, really eye-turning throws down the stretch. It was an incredible performance. I think, I mean, Antonio Brown's had a lot of great games. This one's up there. 14 for 185 and two and some of the plays that he made, including a, a, a try at a touchdown that ended up uh, not counting because he was out of bounds. He was dominant. Schuster had over 100 yards. Roethlisberger played so well. The line was awesome. The Saints really struggled to get pressure consistently. I mean, this was a good Saints defense that the Steelers were going up and down the field for much of the game. But in the end, in the fourth quarter, they had the ball three times. They didn't score any points. I, I There was whispers downstairs. Oh, the Saints, you know, don't have as much to play for. And you heard that on the broadcast. Oh, the, the Steelers seem for, especially during the, a period of the second half, seem to want this game more. I totally disagree. The Saints have now laid out the, the pathway to get to the Super Bowl by playing at home. And yes, they're not invincible, as you said, Dan. But I would much rather be in the NFC right now than in the AFC with some of these bizarre mm. teams. Because I don't trust the Rams going to New Orleans. I don't trust the Bears going to New Orleans. Cowboys, Seahawks, and Vikings, and Eagles. Uh-uh. Like, this is the team to beat, and they have found a way. Their slump was one loss to the Cowboys. Some tight wins where they figure some themselves out in the offense. They had their offense back today. It was back. The running game still wasn't there. They need to get that. It was, but it, they have to feel better that they put 370 yards up. They moved it pretty well throughout the game. And Drew Brees, again, made a number of plays where the Steelers got quick pressure, and he got the ball out of his hands so fast on some of those blitzes to keep drives alive. Like, that's why he's, if he's not the MVP, he's, he's one of the top two in the league. He had another play where... He had a he threw a pass. It got tipped high in the air, and it looked like it was going to get picked early on in the game. Rushed up and knocked it down with his hand. Like he, they wanted this game, and they played that way. Let's check in with the defending champions in a game that had a lot of playoff ramifications. Thirty-five yards for the win. Hold your breath. Spotted. Kicked up. It is. Last week's game was in Los Angeles. This one was strictly out of Hollywood. <laughs> he had that. He he had that in his mind. Cam, clip that off and send it to Erica when we figure out the top ten calls of the. Could it, he could have gone Inglewood than Hollywood. Oh wait, I guess there's not. Merrill Reese, of course, the immortal Merrill Reese, WIP with the call. Jake Elliott kicked a 35-yard field goal as time expired. The Eagles beat the Houston Texans 32 to 30. Their playoff hopes are alive entering week 17. Nick Foles, NFL superstar version, officially back. BDN threw for a franchise record 471 and four touchdowns. Wes, you wanted the Eagles to die, but they won't. Credit to them for, for the game. And Foles, who really, for the first half, had a really uneven performance. Um, lost a fumble at his own five-yard line through an ugly interception. Um, was off the mark on some throws, and even Eagles beat writers were saying, despite the numbers, Foles is not playing well at all. But we've said many times on this podcast, 
You judge quarterbacks on what they do on third and fourth downs in the red zone in close and late situations, and he nailed all three of those situations. Hmm. He was money on third downs. He started the game 12 of 12 on third downs, was great in the red zone, and, you know, took a blow from Devian Clowney in a two-minute drill, missed one play, came back in, and led them to a, a, the game-winning field goal. So credit to Nick Foles, who, you know, has shown a penchant for showing up in big games. And so it – and he got you, Wes. He got me. For the first time, you have fallen out of first place in the lock battle. And Mark's feeling good about himself. Mark should be feeling good. That's He's not how I would advertise that. It's There's a long way to Your go. Your eyes tell Well, the you story. were definitely feeling good about I, yourself. I did not want to lose today's lock because of the Steelers. I... I am not a Steelers fan. The, you, you mentioned <laughs> you're you know, so full of it. Huh? No, here. I wanted to win the lock too, but I honestly like the Steelers were on my radar in that game, and I'm glad that they that the result was what it was. Sorry, not trying to be less than obje- objectable there, but I cannot help it. You, you sit you, down. You Steelers. mentioned coming up through in big spots like Foles, and I think of Austin Jeffrey and the plays he made on the way to winning the Super Bowl, and the the play that he made on third and ten, which was a great play by Foles to go leap up for that catch was one of the plays of this game. Foles hits Ertz later on that drive on third and long. This drive is already so epic, and it might be Foles' last moment in Philadelphia, and what a way to go out. And he said it was on his mind that that might have been his last game in front of the home crowd there. It's so good they already did an oral history of this drive on some newspaper. Everybody's got to slow down oral down. histories. Oral also, history of the general. drive that happened today? Yeah, the, the, the drive that was that even That is unnecessary. About, I mean, you walked around the locker room and he did it. How about an oral history about how there are too many oral histories? I like that. No, that's that's the last Sounds oral like a better concept than like you would actually want <laughs> to read it. What I, Did any team have a worse day than the Texans, though? No. Eight, two injuries at cornerback and losing the bye, and Demarius Thomas uh, has an Achilles injury, according to Ian Rappaport. He let's, had the dreaded towel over the head, and that tells you everything you need to know. Let's add more to this. Um, they were without three other top four cornerbacks all injured during this game, and that goes partially to why Foles had 471 yards and why Ertz <laughs> – and Alshon Jeffrey, and Darren Sproles had a great game today, too. Um, those guys weren't making plays earlier in the year, especially Jeffrey and, and Sproles. And now this this offense is pretty loaded, but the Texans, um, in addition to all the bad things that you mentioned, they haven't run the ball for three weeks. And when we, we were starting to believe in this team when they throttled the Browns and they beat the Titans on national TV – um, they haven't been that team since then. They haven't been able to run the ball. They I, missed I, Lamar Miller, which I did not expect to say. Even then, I, of this I think season. their offensive line is not run right. blocking I mean, well, and they were run blocking for a while early in the it, season. It seems fair. To, I mean, this had to have been one of the best games from Deshaun Watson, who did a great job bringing them back. But you can't survive. I saw Seth Payne tweeted out over the last three weeks. Watson has 110 rushing yards. The rest of the Texans running backs have 81 combined over three weeks. Their offense. I mean, it, it. they couldn't keep up with the Eagles' firepower. In order for them to move the ball, the play had to break down, allowing Deshaun Watson to just improvise and make plays at that point. And uh, we'll talk about the Cowboys later, but their win clinched the NFC East, so the Eagles can't win their division. But if they win next week at Washington, uh, coupled with Minnesota uh, losing or tying or the Seahawks losing out, the, the Eagles can make the postseason. And the Texans did clinch a playoff spot today with that Steelers loss, but now they have to win against the Jaguars, the Texans, that is, to hold on to that division. And I don't know. They're going to be undermanned. Bring Blake Bortles back. Well, Make it fun. 
This is that's not a gimme game style. for the Texans, as undermanned as they are right now. Let us move on. To the bizarre war cry from I Greg. root for the story. I, you know, I don't care who wins or loses. I root for the story. I feel like that's a – How about Blake Bortles coming in and – Like a mid-period uh, Delaware album title, Bizarre War Cry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Rivers takes the snap. Pass across the middle, completes the gate to the 40-yard line. And he'll be taken down. Fumbles the ball. Picks up. Tavon Young has the near sideline. Charger 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Tavon Young. Let us dip into the first uh, of two Saturday games. Jerry Sandusky with the call there. Tavon Young scooped up an Antonio Gates fumble and took it to the house. The dagger in the Ravens is 22-10 win over the Chargers. The win, uh, coupled with the Steelers' loss in New Orleans, moves the Ravens into first place in the AFC North entering Week 17. How about that, Grog? How about these <laughs> Ravens who every week, like you keep hearing about how this, this isn't sustainable, the recipe doesn't work, but great teams – Memorable teams take their fans for a ride, and I think this Ravens team has been taking their fan base for a ride the last five or six weeks. It has been a blast to watch. I've never seen such an entertaining Ravens team, and they dominated in L.A., which they could be returning or they could wind up hosting the Chargers in two weeks if the seeds held as they are right now, and that's a matchup Phillip Rivers would not want to see because he had no idea where the pressure was coming from in that game, and the Chargers' offensive line had no ability to stop them whatsoever. It was a mass like disaster for all five of those offensive linemen. Pouncey and Sam Tevy were just getting thrown around by Terrell Suggs and Darius Smith and Michael Pierce. And this Ravens team, mostly because of the defense, is just dangerous. I'm so I, I don't know. I feel like we're going to be covering them in the Super Bowl. Well, and the, you know, it was a week ago that we were saying the Chargers were taking their fan base on this wonderful narrative ride, and they had knocked off the Steelers and knocked off the Chiefs. And here you are, the worst possible end for them would have to deal with the Ravens two times in three weeks. It was they held the Chargers under 200 yards total offense. That's the first time that's happened in four years. And Phil Rivers, who entered the game as a fringe MVP candidate, he he looked like a doddering old man at times. He was confused. He was firing the ball into the turf. It was incredible to see that the Ravens could turn that Chargers offense into, you know, basically a bad Eli Manning game uh, where the yeah. protection's seizing him and he doesn't know how to move and he's just living, throwing the ball away to live for another down. Uh, so you got to give Baltimore a ton of credit for what they were able to do. I watched this game. It's been so long since I've been in this atmosphere. At a neighborhood party with about eight other men in the room, average age, probably 68 years old. And I was just <laughs> shocked. Was that an Elks party? You were bringing that, that average down at least. Yeah, this is our neighborhood. It's just a bunch of oldsters. But it, it like drove home how, how much every man thinks he's an expert about football. <laughs> the, the comments during this well, game welcome to our podcast. me laugh. Well, where they, well, well, what comments did you have a problem with? I was like every first of all, all the information is wrong. Yes. It's like how many you know, from how many people this tub hub sits, like the attendance max right. on that. It was all over the map from like nineteen thousand to thirty seven thousand. I mean everything that anyone says Wes, was just wrong. Wes is hitting on something interesting. We cover professional football for a living and because of that we know a lot of the details that an average civilian football fan 
doesn't know because they have lives that don't revolve around professional football. And sometimes in these settings, you just at a certain point have to punt and just keep your mouth shut because you don't feel like correcting people every five minutes. Well, there's an interesting power play going on between the guys who really are like the alpha males in the room and they're really wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then the guys who are less alpha males and they're a little bit more right and they just give way to the alpha. Mm. Well, so what a waterfall you- of humble brags there, by the way, about our careers and what we do <laughs> compared to uh, you, you, these other men. Not really. It's just this is what we do. And that's mean, not what they do. If I walked into a wood shop and tried to be an expert exactly. on, on carving. Did, I'd be an did idiot. any of them listen to this show? Because then they're, when that little like community chat board would be like, this West guy is no longer on the invite list. I don't think they know what podcasts mm. are. Mark, right. Mark uh, Baltimore's won five of six now with Lamar Jackson as the starter. Uh, it makes total sense that they stuck with Lamar Jackson. Uh, it makes sense that Joe Flacco will be elsewhere next year. Uh, but do you think that Lamar Jackson is a guy that can take this team on a deep playoff run? Why not? Well, let's wait until someone figures out how to completely neutralize and take out what they do well, which is run the ball, not quite as much against the Chargers yesterday, but not that far off, and play defense in a way that totally stymies quarterbacks. The Chargers were 4 of 13 on third down. We have not seen that from them in weeks. They're a great coaching staff. I think they're a tough team to prepare for on both sides. The defense especially, I mean, that's they're a defense-led team, but the run complements it, and I think they're tough to prepare for. Because in this game where they, they really – did everything possible to stop Lamar Jackson and came up with a pretty good game plan. He had one run in that entire game. You know what? They still ran for 159 yards, and they still outgained their opponent by 160. If you, so what are you going to do then? I, if you are a fan of changing of the guard in the AFC, you want to see the Ravens go into New England if things stick the way they are, if this shakes out, and just thump them with about 40 minutes of possession and 250 yards on the ground and say, bye-bye, Gronk. Have a nice time in the WWE. Bye-bye, Tom Brady. Mm. You ain't coming back either. You know what the <laughs> Patriots' one area of insecurity is, too? Playoff games against the Ravens. That's true. Although right now, if the seeds help, I they, enjoy could, that. they could be going back to Kansas nice. City. But everyone should be afraid. I mean, they've got three tight ends on the field. They're taking it back to 1979, and their three tight ends are kind of dangerous in the running. It's all it's all work. Lamar Jackson just got it is my favorite John Ravens. Harbaugh contract extension. It is my favorite. Yeah, yeah did. we should mention. that. Also, Ra- John Harbaugh got John Harbaugh. Right. We should. Because they're so well coached. He did. The Ravens announced before the game even happened that John Harbaugh will be back next year and they're going to work on an extension. And I think we're all in agreement in this room that it was always a bunch of poppycock that his job was in danger in the first place. He barely made it to this season. And the fact that even when they were slumping a little bit, this idea that he was a guy that was the problem Mm. and you can join seven or eight other teams looking for a brand new head coach in January. No, no, no. Johnny makes sense. You might have had three teams in the AFC North trying to get John Harbaugh if he became available. I might give that uh, Coordinator of the Year uh, award to Wink Martindale right now. See, I like you called him Wink. What about Marty Morningwig? Come on. Greg Roman. He's in the mix. Greg Roman. Come on. Some of this Don stuff has been on my radar with you. (laughs) I mean, that's his actual (laughs) name. How dare you call him by his name? Uh, let's check in with some of our friends over at Lowe's. And did you know that Lowe's is the new home of craftsmen? Oh, yeah. So maybe our, our friends are actually craftsmen. Uh, and, and Lowe's is a location where you could find these products. <laughs> Lowe's, is, Lowe's is the new go-to destination where we can explore the latest innovative craftsman products, including their new V20 power tool battery platform, 
The Craftsman's V20 cordless power tool lineup features a high-capacity lithium battery that's part of Craftsman's interchangeable battery system, so it works with all the tools in their V20 lineup, giving you the runtime you need and the power you deserve. Ooh, I like that. It's well put. Nice turn of phrase. Not to mention a longer cycle life resulting in an extended battery life. For the latest Craftsman's Craftsman product updates, visit Lowe's.com slash around. That's Lowe's.com slash around. Lowe's is the new home of Craftsman. In fact, somebody tweeted at me the other day that because of that ad read, they went out and got some Craftsman products for dad. So there you go. It works, oh, Greg. That's good. That lines the pockets of the NFL said, corporate layer of groups. Of yeah, we don't get anything. We, don't we, get want, anything, our, we but... want our sponsors to do well. I mean, our, our listeners are some of the most affluent and intelligent people out there. <laughs> Especially in the great state of Rhode Island. <laughs> Danny Hill. Play fake, dropping the throw. All right. Fires to the right side. Ball picked off. Telvin Smith is going to walk it into the end zone. A pick six for Telvin. And Jacksonville has extended the lead at Hard Rock Stadium. Cam, you didn't listen to Thursday's show, did you? Never do. No, no. Missed <laughs> out on him. He's got a little bit of the Tamposi edge to him once bit. he gets in I that think, seat. I think she's rubbed off on him a little bit. You're a little spicy, aren't you, Cam? She's mean to me sometimes. <laughs> Blake Bortles came off the bench late in the third quarter. And what did he do? He lifted the Jaguars, sparking the offense uh, as the Jags eliminate the Dolphins from the mix. Goodbye. 17-7 win for the Jaguars. And Doug, Doug Marone, who looks like he will be keeping his job after all. Good for Doug. Sorry, Manish. Nick Shook now joins us. A Merry Christmas to you, Nick. What would you do to Ely to get this game? <laughs> this is the running hey, theme. Wait. Hey, it really uh, it's the holiday season, Shook, but it's also Bortles season, S-Z-N. That's what the kids do. Well, I mean, it's, it is the holidays, right? Yep. Yeah, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Thanks, bro. Thank you for saying that. Uh, <laughs> this is a Jaguars team that today came into this game and played defense pretty well and then also decided to play a juggling act of sorts with its quarterback because Cody Kessler got hurt, Blake Bortles came in and Said, according to uh, a, a reporter from ESPN's tweet, he entered the huddle and said, let's go, boys. I'm back. And <laughs> They love it. Yeah. Saddle up, Blake. Uh, Blake Bortles telling his own redemption tale on this field today. Uh, didn't do much statistically, but didn't screw up like he had in the many times before, and that was enough for the Jaguars who got a go-ahead field goal late and then got a defensive score, which really put this game on ice. And another game that makes you wonder what's going to happen in January in Miami. Well, there's whispers. There won't be football. We know that. No, well, that's, that's typical. It's basketball. It will be dark. Some baseball. There are some whispers that Adam Gase, who I presumed would have stuck around, that maybe that's not totally the case, that the Miami, they may blow it up. No the Miami Herald is reporting that Mike Tannenbaum is in more trouble than anyone else. And this is, yeah, these are two teams where, and I know our guy Ian Rappaport reported Doug Marone's expected to stay, but this is the time of year where a couple weeks out, some of these expected to reports, you never know, like there are a lot of X factors that could change that. And I feel like Miami, anything could happen there. And the one thing I think Stephen Ross, their, their owner has consistently made a mistake is that he makes changes piecemeal. Okay, let's get a GM, but keep the coach. Then let's get a new top guy in Tannenbaum, but don't, but keep the GM. Then let's get rid of that GM, bring in another, bring in a coach. And it's like, no, do it all at once if you're going to do it. 
The Dolphins are 7-8, and eight, so the best they can do is finish 500, which uh, on Thursday we talked about how they have been the definitive 500 franchise in football for years now. They missed the playoffs for the 15th time in 17 years. They'll finish at 500 or worse for the ninth time in the past 10 seasons. Um, so they have their own problems. The Jags 5-10 and 10, uh, in a lost season. Let us move on. Play fake by Ryan. He's going to take the deep shot and wide open is Ridley. 35-30, Calvin 20, 15, Reed to beat at the five, touchdown Atlanta. One swing and 75 yards, Matt Ryan to the rookie Calvin Ridley. Wes Durham, love that perfect voice for the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan threw for 239 and three scores, including that long strike to Calvin Ridley. Remember him? As the Atlanta Falcons cruise to a 24-10 win over the rival Carolina Panthers at seven straight losses for Carolina, uh, which did not get a spark in the first career start from Taylor Heineke. Shook, what should we take out of a battle of two disappointing Ulcerans? You deserve better than these games, Nick Shook. <laughs> Going to keep you on no. for another game just It's like, it's we like hey, we've it. got a dud of a game pretty early in the show. It must be Nick Shook time. <laughs> hey, it's the cross I bear. Uh, Taylor Heineke got hurt early. And he had been off to a semi-decent start, and it kind of plagued him from there. This was a tie game at halftime and then became a runaway because the Falcons scored in the first play of the third quarter on a long bomb to Calvin Ridley. And then they scored again on another long pass to Mohamed Sanu. And in between, the Panthers turned the ball over a few times. And, you know, this is basically what you get. I mean, this Panther season, if you had told me this is how this was going to go, you know, eight, seven, eight weeks ago, I'd have said you're crazy. And it, they look like a completely different team. And it started with Cam Newton, and now it seems like it's just spreading from there. Whereas the Falcons, you can see – why some people, myself included, had them going much deeper into this season than they did. and, and had You weren't alone. Maybe winning the NFC, but because of injuries and, and a slow start, you know, they, caught, they got a little hot in the middle of the season before going on this slide again. And, uh, you know, it's a nice little turnaround for them uh, two weeks in a row. Yeah, I think it, it's a little reductive to, to just say Cam Newton got hurt and that explains everything. But obviously it was the, the biggest de- the thing in the downfall. The defense was bad all year. So yeah. The first right. bare defensive. No one, there was no one on the team. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had an amazing season, obviously. Yeah. obviously but there was no one that could was going to lift lift this team up once Cam started to falter. Um, and that's, to me, the story of this Panthers. Which one of these two rosters would you want going Falcons. forward? Oh, the Falcons, no doubt. I think the Panthers show how hard it is to build a well-rounded l- roster with 32 teams and a salary cap. They were missing skill position talent on offense for so long. So now they go out and get that, and they're young there, and that's promising. Their defensive front seven grew old, and their offensive line needs help. So that's what they're going to have to do in the offseason. And they dealt with some injuries in the offensive line as well, but they had no depth to begin with. So yeah. McCaffrey had another 178 yards in, yard from scrimmage today. He's knocking on the door at 2,000 and has an outside shot to lead the league in that. It's pretty He's got impressive. over 100 catches now. Passed his own dad, whose career high was 101 catches. On the 2001 or That's 2000 what sons Broncos. do to fathers. They <laughs> destroy them. I want you well, to they outshine them. them in similar careers often. That's what you want, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, March as a dad, progress. you would want that. Yeah. Yeah. Every generation. My sons already and, and also daughters do that to fathers as well. I'm not saying that only sons do. Just yeah. so that I don't, you know. Like, that should be the goal. He also passed another dad. 
Uh, most receptions in a season by a Panthers player at any position, passing Steve Smith Sr. Nick, when do you think you're going to become a dad? When you think not about your life, while. man. Not, not for a while. You are dating a wonderful woman that used to be on our softball team when she was a reserve. Is that, how's that going? Is that heading towards anything substantial? It's fantastic. I mean, you guys have been together a while. Uh, almost two years in February. Mm. How yeah. old are you now, Nick? Take a guess. You look like you're 26. about 26 yeah. years old. Yeah. Are you getting some questions from family members on both sides when you're going to kind of seal the deal here? Well, Mark, there's a reason I live 2,500 miles away from home. <laughs> you're in the prime of your career, that 26, 27, 28 range. Yeah. Come on. You know what Wes is saying. Yeah, I understand. Cut and run, baby. But let me tell you. That's not that what I'm saying. No it's not happening. <laughs> uh, I hope she's not listening to this. Okay, let's move on. Stick around, Nick. You deserve better than those two games. Brady takes the snap of the play fake to White. Firing down the middle. Yes. Adam makes the catch on the middle of the 20. And twisted down okay. at the 15, but he rolled over a defender. Stayed oh. on his feet. Sprinted to the end zone with a dive. Touchdown, Patriots. Iron Man. He played in a whistle. What a fighter. What a call. Great play design. You get Dorsett in motion. You fake the screen to him. You get Edelman on a slant. He knows he's not down. He stays up on the defender. That's a touchdown, baby. This voice will be quieted soon enough. <laughs> Bob Sochi in a human Powerade bottle. Scott Zolak, WBZ, <laughs> with the call. Julian Edelman stayed on his feet and found the end zone. Tom Brady's lone touchdown pass and a 24-12 win over the Buffalo Bills. The win gives the Pats their 10th straight AFC East title. Can you imagine? An NFL record. Greg, lots of doom, lots of doom and gloom around Patriot Way this week, but your ragtag bunch of underdogs have possession of the number two seed with one week to play. I, I do, and yet I think there's going to be a spoiled sky is falling feel in New England in, on, in some ways because it was maybe the worst game of the year from Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, but I'm going to put that to the side from now because when the Patriots have looked at their best this year, it has been running the ball. They look like the Ravens in this game. They had 10 straight runs at one point. They had Third and four, they're running the ball. They end up with 273 yards on the ground, 47 rushes. You can do that against Buffalo, but it was still impressive to see that interior blocking going like it was early in the season. Corderell Patterson and Sony Michelle especially ran well, but White and Burkhead. It's a really good backfield, and it makes sense to build your offense around it right now. The key is, can you do this? I mean, Buffalo's had a pretty solid defense for the most, really, the most part of the season. They're missing Matt Milano. Can you do this in a playoff setting? I mean, you're if right now you're a two seed, and that is huge for them. A, a deeply a flawed team who is undefeated at home. I sure in a one game setting, can you cook up a good running game? You're going to need more than 117 yards from the passing game. Is that what the Patriots are now that they have to build around their running game and hide their quarterback? Is that what we're talking about here? I mean, I don't think they need to hide it each and every week. But they need. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they do it. either. But is that is I didn't see any of this game, but I saw tweets that this was a terrible Tom Brady game. They need to hide their he, inability to protect. He him. was as antsy in terms of people around him as he's been, yep. and Gronk did not look good, and they couldn't get anything going running the ball. But I mean, passing the ball. But I've talked about it a lot this year that that's been their identity when they've been at their best. It's been one mm. of the better running. Patriots team. I think a Ravens Patriots game is the game that I've always dreamt of that could be over in about an hour and 35 minutes. <laughs> I mean, that, that game already happened. It was 2009. That was the last time uh, they did not get a playoff by in the rate. And that was the first time people started writing is the Patriots dynasty over. And it was strong. Well, this is different game. than then. Yes. That was when well, Ray Rice came out and put Brady's, it on him with 80 yards. Brady's right off the 41 bat. years old. That said, like, 
I, I want to, as a fan, enjoy it that you won a division title. That, like, Do that you? you won 10 straight. Yeah, I think it's cool. I Wait, like- what does it mean to – because there are certain levels of enjoyment. Like, what is surging through your body right now? Is it, like, ultra excitement where you Not cannot much. contain yourself? It's more just that I think – You don't see it? I, have I so don't much, see it. <laughs> I have so much appreciation and respect. The fact that they've won 15 straight division titles with Brady in the mix, uh, the the, the – the consistency, and we've talked about it on the show, has never been approached in NFL history, period. And so if this is their decline, that now you're you're winning 10 or 11 games and you win a division title, there's still something special. I'll never that. take anything away for the Pats when you talk about what they've been able to string together. But it was a perfect storm in terms of they've been in a D-bag division this entire time. They definitely wouldn't have done this if they had That's some an insult to D-bags, by the way. But franchises right. around them in the division. But I'm not, I, I'm not saying to take it away. I'm just saying... That's something to keep in mind how this happened because it's it's almost impossible to imagine that a team could win 15 in a row essentially with Tom Brady on the field. They've won 16 division titles with Brady, which is as much as Joe Montana with the 49ers and Peyton Manning with the Colts combined. I, I think next week against the Jets, important for Brady to get some mm. something going because Edelman is not right. Gronk is really not right. And so – you're Brady's no Josh right. Gordon. Brady's not right, but I think he has a better chance to rebound than those two because that Edelman just looks slow and he's dropping passes. And Gronk, I mean, this was if if last week was the worst Gronk game ever, like this one was worse. He he had three targets, no catches, and one of the Ooh. balls sent his way, bounced off his hands for an interception. When you, when you talk about the wow. supposed decline, or maybe what people think might be the beginning of the decline of this franchise, you sound like I did in the last year of being a Cavs fan. Yeah, when I knew LeBron was leaving. Here's the thing, though. It, I really the, I think they still have the best coach in a given situation and a great staff with McDaniels. And is Tom Brady worse now than he was in 2001 or 2003 when they won the Super Bowl? I don't think he is. So can they come up with one-game game plans? Okay. I, I don't know. I'll give him a shot. He's worse against pressure right now. Yep. He's, I, I, you know, I can't blame him for that, though. It, 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 the offensive line just has this, not helped him. This was, a, this was a, a perfect setup. Josh Allen look, looks so there, bad. When, you, when John, <laughs> Josh Allen can't run the ball, he's one of the worst quarterbacks you've ever yes, seen. Yes. There are offensive lines protecting much worse than the Patriots' offensive No, without a doubt. But I think over the course of a year, you know what pressure does to Tom Brady, and you're starting to see it in the way that he handles the pocket now. I'd be – and I don't say this to, like, pile on Bills fans who might have the same feeling. I'd be a little nervous about Josh Allen one year in. This feels different than uh, Mitch Trubisky year one or Jared Goff year one. It just seems like the Wait, accuracy he's, issues. He's, a different he's shown more promise than either of those guys showed in year one. As a, a as a quarterback? As yes. A Way more than passer? Jared. I think you forget how bad Jared Goff was. Okay. All right. He's a different type of player where he makes you cringe at just the unforced errors where the accuracy, you wonder if that's going to go away or not. But I agree with Wes that he's shown enough – you, that you can hope for a second-year leap. I just took a really nice little three-minute mental break there and just sort of sat back and enjoyed the room. How'd it go for you? I feel refreshed. Good, good. Nick Shook, thank you so much. Actually, before I go, I need yes. to tell you all, 1-0. and Oh, he did lock it up. That's right. Nicely done. <laughs> Look at that, Shook. He made sure to say it. Oh, yeah. He was going to bring it up. <laughs> Wes? Got to save it to the end. Wes, do you have any counter to that? No, that's good job by you. 1-0. That was a lock-off with Shook, of course, Taking the who was it again? Eagles. 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 Congratulations, Nick. Thank you. An early Christmas gift for you and the entire Shook family. Yes. Happy holidays. <laughs> All right. Happy holidays to you, buddy. Let us move on. Takes the snap. Blitz coming. Johnson fires downfield. It's intercepted. Kevin fired. Kevin fired. Kevin fired. Kevin. <laughs> 
It's intercepted. It's Titan Ball. The blitz. The blitz. It came. Judson threw. And the defense comes through. <laughs> Mike Keith. Titans Radio. One of my favorite in the game. Oh, you Titans. Titans fans all angry at me. I like you, Mike Keith. Blaine, Gab- Blaine Gabbert. Or as Mark calls him, Kid Gorgeous. Has the Titans <laughs> one step away from the playoffs. The backup QB threw a touchdown pass to McCoyle, Michael, Michael Pruitt. Michael Pruitt. Michael. M Y capital C O L E. That got me. I mean, you could hear it. Michael Pruitt with 4:30 to play. Tennessee's D closed the game out with two picks and a 25-16 win over the Redskins. That's four straight wins for the Titans, who have a loser goes home game coming up next week against the Colts. In fact, it has already been flexed into Sunday Night Football. Week 17, uh, there you go. And it's the right move. It's the only move. Mark, what happened to uh, Marcus Mariota in this game? Mariota left the game with a, a shoulder stinger and never returned. And Elbow, I, right? Uh, they announced it as a stinger in the shoulder. Yeah. shoulder. It looked like Ultimately, an elbow injury, and that's what he had earlier in the year. So it might be some chicanery. Credit to both of these teams for producing uh, – a, a somewhat interesting, engaging game that featured Josh Johnson versus uh, Blaine Gabbert. I, I, I kept wanting, I was at my house thinking, there are things I could do around my house, um, a lot of them, or I could just go do something of, of a leisurely nature uh, anywhere in the town, and I kept, I, it kept pulling me back, and I couldn't quite turn it off. So uh, not, that's not my entire review of this game, but I found uh, that the Titans did what they had to do, and it wasn't another one of these like Derrick Henry totally explodes, but they controlled their side of the ball. And then the two Josh Johnson interceptions to close the game were an absolute killer for a Redskins team that whose season is kaput as it should be. I mean, if you're if you're a believer in the playoffs, putting the best teams in there, we got rid of the Dolphins nice, this week and the Redskins. They, I'll give them credit though. They won last week, and nobody thought they were going to win last week. And they really hung in this game on the road with their. Had fourth, a lead in the fourth quarter. Four, Adrian Peterson played a great game. Another he looks really fantastic. good game. I, he looks, yep. Yeah, he is, he is. Wes, I know you said a few weeks back that maybe he looks slow. This game, he looks like he found the fountain of youth he again. Healthy. This was his best game since October, and I think he wasn't explosive laterally for a while. He was playing through injuries, but also playing behind third stringers on the offensive line and playing with third and fourth string quarterbacks the defense doesn't respect. He needs room to run, and he, had, he hadn't had room to run until this game. Does the, If you're the San Diego Fleet – and you used your first pick on a quarterback to secure the rights of Josh Johnson. Are you now worried that he's just going to get signed to some sort of a you know offseason option deal where you're not going to get him at I all? I believe, just so you know, that he was on the roster and they used they for they they passed on their first round pick to protect Josh Johnson, the hometown kid. If is he still going to play for your team? He's too I, that this, this has is been a, AAF, this is sort right? of a yeah. little bit too yes. much of a negative occurrence for them. If guys like Cody Kessler are regarded as number twos, Josh Johnson should have a right. job next he year. He looked good. The Gabbert deserves some credit when they needed fourth quarter points to win this game, and he made about three or four. Like they asked him to make about four or five throws, and he made two or three really nice throws. And they scored on back to back drives when they absolutely needed a touchdown. They just went down the field and they scored a touchdown. I think it's fair to give him credit and still say if he has to start in the season finale, and if they're playing without Jarrell Casey, who injured his knee, yeah. And the early word is it looks like a multi week injury. Bye bye. That they're in big trouble. The win was Tennessee's first in seven career games that Mariota has left with an injury. By the way, Mariota's still on his rookie contract. He's left seven games injured 
so durability is one a of the serious question mark with that quarterback. Any other thoughts on that? I would just say it's I, I Mariota on the ground is a is a dangerous operator in this offense when he's on, but I did not see a big drop off from from Mariota to Blake to uh, Blaine Gabbert. Not in this game, no. I I think the problem with Mariota right now, the ceiling's lower than I expected. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. When you when Mariota has a good game, it's it like the ceiling's a little lower, or they're not even trying to be too advanced as an offense right now. So a, a lower ceiling and then the injury problems is a bad combo. Well, I think yeah. Where I look at it is we've. We know after three or four years in the league that he has defined weaknesses. He doesn't throw outside the numbers and downfield well. He doesn't anticipate the rush or see spatial awareness well. And he gets injured. But he does a lot of things well. Hey, uh, Titans fans, you go win in their building, right? Next Sunday? In their building. They have never beaten Andrew Luck. Win in your building. Beat Andrew Luck for the first time. Uh, Maybe you're down some key players. I'll get rid of Titans. I won't say it again. Really? Forever? You're putting it on the line? Go win a ball game in a big spot. You'll remember this next, you know, October when they were one and three. Absolutely. Okay. I'm a man. Wow. Suddenly that game is so much bigger. Cut that off, Kim. (laughs) That's Bolton board material. Or shut up. Let's move on. Waiting on a shotgun snap. It's low. Andrew Luck pumps. He throws over to the left side. It's caught. Touchdown. Chester Rogers. Touchdown, Colts. And the game is tied. 27 to 27. Under a minute to go. Merry Christmas, Chester Rogers. <laughs> Matt Taylor, Colts Radio Network with the call. Uh, Andrew Luck hooked up with Chester Rogers on a one-yard touchdown pass with 55 seconds left. Adam Vinatieri hit the extra point. And the Colts defense held with an interception in the final minute. A 28-27 win over the Giants. That touchdown pass to Taylor and the ensuing extra point was the only first and only lead the Colts had in the game. Uh, Luck's latest comeback magic saved the Colts from elimination. Sets them up for that win and in matchup against the Titans. Wes, who uh, gave Indy all it could handle. But this Colts team finds a way. I think when you talk about the best of the best quarterbacks, it's like talking about basketball players. Do they make their teammates better? And this has been the year where I think Andrew Luck has proved conclusively he makes these clowns better. <laughs> clowns? Clowns. For most of the year, he's been throwing to Zach Paschal and Mo Alley Cox. He made Eric Ebron the franchise leader in touchdowns. Dontrell Inman. Dontrell, Nobody, no family members of those players listen to the show. He's throwing Dontrell Inman open with back shoulder passes 30 yards downfield. Nobody else wants Dontrell Inman on their team. He makes Chester Rogers a guy who's a special oh. teamer and turns him into a chain-moving possession receiver with the game on the line. He's doing it without Ryan Kelly and Mark Lewinsky, two of his starting offensive linemen, and he is the rising tide that lifts mm. all boats in Indy. When Frank Reich, I think, is – 1B. I mean, to oh, me, yeah. they're, they're a tandem, and if they make it to the playoffs, he might just be coach of the year. Luck is comeback player of the year. And the Colts have gone from 1-5 to 9-6. and six. Wow. And in these eight wins um, over that stretch, how many times have we seen this where they fall behind? Uh, a lot of times in their building, it seems. They're so hard to close out uh, at, at that. I was going to call it the RCA Dome, but it's Luke, Lucas Oil Stadium where they have, they have all those ridiculous banners hanging flying high, Mark. Uh, but they are a hard team to close out, and Luck is one of those guys, those magic guys that when he has the ball, you kind of assume something good's going to happen for the home team. He's got a fourth-quarter comeback in a quarter of his career starts. <laughs> and go. this this game also outrageous. featured one of the West moments of the year where 
when Eli Manning had the ball in his hands seconds later <laughs> no, to that- try to seal this. Like, we thought, oh, you know, can, can Eli Manning do it? Wes said he's got one more interception in him. Like, half a second later, he throws an interception. He airmailed one. As the snap Over was happening, two. he's like, I think Eli's got a pick in him. That was amazing. On a day in which the Giants play calling had the Colts defense off balance for 59 minutes. I mean, it, there were a lot of times where the Colts defense needed a stop and couldn't get it. Eli played, played pretty well before that throw. And this was a defense that had led the league in points since week seven. Mm. Points allowed. Is Gi- the opposite- Giants are one of the best five and ten teams I can remember. I, I, you know, I guess so. But are, is the opposite of Frank Reich, Pat Shermer? Uh, he is to me. <laughs> the opposite well, I know to me would the, be you, like you have an I, 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 well, I would say someone no come and sell to me what he's what he's I think giving he has you as a Giants team fan. Playing hard down the stretch. It's a limited team with not a ton of talent. I think they're the most talented five team five win right. team I've That's, seen. They, well, on one gotta, hand, you got to pick a side on that. On one hand, they you, won. Let me finish. Three games. You got to pick a side on that because sometimes you say they stink. Sometimes they you do say stink. They don't play to their talent level. And a big part of it is their quarterback. Well, and that's also not that's a huge. A, that's not a huge that. compliment towards Shermer. No, I agree. I don't think Pat Shermer's a good head. Coach. I think I think maybe Mark, you have a little bit of a Shermer issue because of his Browns days. That's no, I, I, I do, but I guess it's because I remember those games and I'm seeing a lot of the similar stuff. I, I we've seen like reasons to believe in him as an offensive coordinator, but I don't no think doubt. we've ever seen a head coach like. He doesn't strike me as a great head coach. Yeah, agree to disagree. I just don't think he's the problem there. I think they have issues, and I think they still need to find a quarterback, obviously. I, I, and I joke around about Eli a lot, but they need to figure out what they're going to do with that position. In a are hurry. They, are they going to really bring him back next year? I think they might win just and draft someone. Yeah, I, that, I would think that they're going to – he's mm. going to go into the – he's going to be like a bridge quarterback. I wouldn't do that, quarterback. go get Joe Flacco. Let us Fly. move forward, <laughs> Joe Flacco. <laughs> Fly. <laughs> Final play of the first half. Detroit rushes three and a half as Jared Davis eyeballs Cousins, who fires into the end zone to the right side, and it's caught! Touchdown! An amazing touchdown catch by Kyle Rudolph, and the Vikings amazingly have taken the lead in the shadow of halftime. It's a 44-yard miraculous <laughs> connection from Cousins to Kyle Rudolph. Did he say miraculous? I mean, you can use the word. But was it a miracle? No, it can was not an earth miracle. I'm down with the miracle stuff. <laughs> Kirk Cousins threw a 44-yard Hail Mary to Kyle Rudolph as time expired in the first half. The Minnesota Vikings go ahead on that play. They stay ahead. They beat the Lions 27-9. to And the Vikes are very close to the playoffs as well now. Uh, winning in next week against the Bears, and they could still qualify for the playoffs uh, even if they lose, if they get some help. Mark, what did you see from the Vikings today? Also not a miracle, the way they opened this game. It, four straight punts. They had five total yards on their first four drives. They really did not even, I believe they didn't get a first down until about four minutes left in the half. Then what happened was the touchdown drive. Then what happened minutes later was the Hail Mary. And if you're up 14 to nine or so on the Lions, you've got it because the Lions are a team built to score about nine points per game <laughs> and assume that they can hang on, which they rarely do. And you got a feel for Matthew Stafford in this offense, but the Vikings, they got out of their early funk and they, in the second half, looked a little bit like the team they were last week against the Dolphins. I still do not trust them to do anything than probably lose a playoff game if they sneak in, but they were okay. They handled their business on the road here. Last week's game was much more impressive on the ground. 
I still think Dalvin Cook is running about as well as any running back in the league right now. I mean, maybe not right at the top level, but right below that. So the more you can accentuate him in, the, in, in a game where there was at one point, I think the total yards was 170 to four. That that's the point that, I mentioned that yeah, after those first. I mean, that's drives. like yeah, that's a gut check for a team. That it's a road division game. You took care of it. Now now can they beat the Bears to make the playoffs? That that's more interesting. Well, they're a much better team in their home dome, I think. And to me, they should be favored over the Bears, who probably will have one eye on the scoreboard during this game. Yeah, the Bears will have something to play for because the the Rams theoretically could give up that buy, and that's that's important, but. Like, the odds are against it, the Rams losing to the 49ers at home. And the Lions finished. Ooh, lock that up. Pick up a game. Whoa, somebody locked this game? I locked up the Vikes. You have a problem? I think you need to purchase a mirror. I looked in it, and I liked what I saw. Really? <laughs> okay. Not a ghost to be found. All right. Um, who was going to say? Oh, Matt Stafford is going to be 31 in February, and – I think we all agree we like Matt Stafford. We think he's a guy that could you could build a playoff team around. Clock's ticking in Detroit, and they got a lot of work to do. I don't know what to make of this season if I'm a Lions fan. I don't see a lot of progress in any area. The offense has taken a step back, and they're hard to watch. They're a tough team to watch. It's it's funny because we kind of see we kind of see the Vikings right now as. We haven't been impressed all year, and yet who's going to get that sixth spot? It's either going to be the Vikings or the Eagles, the two best teams in the NFC last year, who at the very end of the season are probably feeling, and especially Minnesota, like, hey, we've got a team. We've got the players that we had a year ago. Like, They are a pretty dangerous sixth seed if they can get in because that means they'll probably have beaten the Bears. The Vikings trying to get into the playoffs. The Cowboys are in to Big D, Large D. Back to throw, late pressure, running facility. right hand sack. Big city, Jalen Smith recovers at the Everything's 30, runs left yeah. to the 40, midfield and he's running. Smith down the sideline, Jalen Smith down the sideline to dreams. become the first Cowboy to return the ball for Texas. a touchdown this year. The Lone Star State. Brad Sham, the Sham God. Cowboys Radio Network with the call. Jalen Smith returned to fumble 69 yards for a touchdown. Nice. And Dak Prescott accounted for two scores as the Cowboys clinched the a- NFC East 27-20 win over the Bucks. That's now two playoff trips in three years for Prescott and Zeke Elliott since they entered the league. Greg, the Cowboys, they took care of their damn business. They did. It was kind of a classic. Like, to me, this was Dirk Cutter's, you know, tenure in a nutshell. Get Every 20, Bucks game ever. Get 27 first downs to 16 for the Cowboys. Uh, have your offense give up 14 points, essentially. And the Cowboys, who didn't need to do much, basically scored two touchdowns with their defense, ran the ball, and just kind of let the Bucks blow this game. But you have to give credit to the Cowboys defense, who even if they're giving up yards, they have guys like Jalen Smith, like Randy Gregory, who's definitely coming on strong to make big plays. And that was enough in this one. There was a report from Ian Rappaport that Dirk Cutter might keep his job. Don't necessarily believe that he's going to get fired, but a lot happens what they do these last two games. 
And I didn't right. see this game, but this can't bode well for it them. It can't. It's the exact same thing you've, you've ever seen, where the Bucks are inside the five. It's like they did they did all the Bucks moves. They got on the goal line and had a delay of game on the one and then didn't score inside the five. <laughs> you know, they did they did everything. I, there was a crazy stat. Six of the highest Bucks uh, games in franchise history in terms of first downs have come this season with this Bucks team. What? Six of their their best ten games ever in terms of first downs. Their record in those games are one and five. So f- so the best offensive games in terms of moving the ball in in franchise history. Dirk Cutter and and Jameis Winston certainly is a big part of this. Find a way to lose. So they're talented and they call good plays, but they're not smart at executing them. Well, they've also been attached to. Uh, other than the last three or four weeks, a terrible defense that gives up yardage and points like a waterfall, but, and a quarterback that costs them two or three, two terrible turnovers a game sometimes. And I and I do apologize to the Cowboys fans because I mean this is a big deal. You know we're talking about the Bucks here, and I know it wasn't a pretty game. The, the Cowboys had 230 yards, but this is an exciting team if you're a Cowboys fan. Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch had monster games, both of them. Uh, Lawrence and Gregory had a great game, and Prescott stayed out of the way. This might have been Gregory's what are, what best are you, game. What are you laughing at, Wes? I mean, I, I agree that this is a pretty exciting Cowboys team. It's one of the most fun Cowboys they won teams the division. I remember. But I think Cowboys fans will be all right if they don't get all the attention for one week. Okay. that's fair. Did we mention, by the way, that Sean Lee was a healthy scratch? No, which really feels like... There were several different reports about this. One, that he wanted Leighton Van Der Esch to play, and two that the Cowboys wanted to ensure Sean Lee would be healthy for the playoffs. Hmm. The second feels like spin, but I'll accept it. I mean, he played 15 snaps last week, so that's kind of a weird spot to be in if you're him. So I don't know. I don't know where he has a place on, on this team. I got the sense he was being selfless and said, hey, I'm not quite 100%. Why don't we let Leighton Vander Esch play? And I know – with the way the NFL works, every roster spot is so important on game day. But wouldn't it be good to have Sean Lee active in case Leighton Vander? I couldn't hurt agree more. Or, Something about you know, they said having him just because he's not going to be a like you want your backup linebackers to be special teamers. And if I don't know what the rest of their injury situation is, hmm. but you know, okay. that's why. Interesting. It is interesting. The Cowboys division champs. I mean, he's done after this year. There's no chance Sean Lee's on this team next year unless he's willing to take a dramatic pay cut. And even then, I think they might just say thanks. Bye. I like taking dramatic pay cuts. (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) Try me. Are you listening, Ely? (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Do you know what dramatic pay cuts are? No, but that probably won't play well on the home front, what I just said. (laughs) Let's move on. First down and 10 from the 5. He gives to Anderson. Up to the 10. Breaks a tackle. The 20. Working left 30. Does he have it? Anderson. 45 and 50 left sideline. Goes out of bounds with a stiff arm to finish the run on Trey Boston. Have a day. C.J. Anderson without Gurley. He's getting all he wants and then some. Wes's neighbor, J.B. Long with the call. KSPN. Uh, C.J. Anderson playing five days after he was signed to the Rams. Went off for a jaunty buck 67. And the Rams, after two ugly losses, beat the Cardinals 31-9. It was easy. Mark, the Rams opted to give Todd Gurley the day off to rest his ailing knee. A wise decision. Yeah, and they, they didn't give him the day off, then decide to play around the running back position and have Jared Goff throw the ball 45 times. Jared Goff, who's been in a funk, he had a terrible fumble early that kept Arizona around in this game. But it was C.J. Anderson 
And it wasn't just him. They had three or four backs average more than eight yards a carry. But Anderson led the way as one of the best midweek signings we've seen all year by any team. And they talked about the fact that Sean McVay felt that C.J. Anderson picked up the offense quickly and that they trusted him and it altered what they did with their game plan to give him as much of a helping as they could going in, which is it worked out about as well as it possibly could have when you need to give Gurley some rest. And this game for me, the Cardinals, it we just talked about every Lions game ever, every Bucks game ever. This was every Cardinals game ever where you get a nice early drive by the Cardinals that make you think they might be able to make the thing competitive. By the, thing, by the time you're three quarters in, the wheels have completely fallen off and the vehicle is in the middle of the sea. And I, you know, they're going to lose their coach. They're going to start over. There's reports that Steve Wilkes is out, and he should be. I, I, I know if, nothing personal, but this has been one of the more unwatchable teams in many years. They are a team that tried to take the players they had and squeeze them in to the philosophies and schemes that the coaches had versus the other way around, which is what every other good team in the league is doing. And the Rams, are they out of their funk? Hard to tell against Arizona, but they did get, I thought that Jeff Jared Goff played a really nice three quarters after he had that initial turnover. On one hand, it's dreadfully unfair to um, fire a head coach in his first year when he's taking over a bad team. We all knew it was a bad team when he took the job, but for the reasons you said, Mark, and that seems to be the popular talking points as to why it's not working there. That he, he That's what I like to cling to, the popular talking points. <laughs> he hasn't pushed the right buttons or, or matched his players with the scheme the right way. I guess it makes sense if you internally don't feel this is the right guy, you cut your losses. And well, the defense state. also got significantly worse. Right you know, from what it was over the last three years, they, the personnel's not quite as good as they were at their peak. But he's a defensive coach, and they got worse. I think this is a big game for the the Rams. I really do. To get 33 first downs, 460 yards, and to get right again offensively, I thought Goff made a number of really good throws, and that's why I always push back against. It's like, oh well, it came against the Cardinals. Well, Goff had three or four plays in this game where he was absolutely under duress and he threw dimes into small windows. So it doesn't it's like those he's going up against NFL players and those are positive plays for him to build on after he had really been slow. I do think they professional miss, football. I know, but I mean yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I think they miss, they miss Cooper Cup though. There's just yeah. something that's not the same with this offense. It has not been in a while. Three more sacks for Aaron Donald, who I believe Oh Set the record for most by an interior lineman. and 19, right? 19 and a half. My goodness. Check out NFL.com slash Westling for top 10 defensive player of the year candidates. Aaron Donald, of course, number one, but there's some surprises on the list. Check it out. This kept the Bears off their back, too. I mean, you had you couldn't fumble here. Hey, if you throw, make big passes in the National Football League, the highest level of the game, I don't care who the opponent is, you've done a nice job. Those other guys get paid, too. <laughs> They're trying to feed the families, too. Let's move on. I mean, Snap to Mullins. Mullins pressured. Mullins gets out to his right. Can he run for it? He can run for it. But he's going to throw deep, and he's going to throw it out of bounds. Mullins could have run for the first down. Good job. I think he could have run for it. There's no doubt he could have run for and it. And he threw it. <laughs> I think he could have run for it, guys. <laughs> and he threw it. Dan Robinson, KNBR. He nailed it. Nick, Mullins, Nick, Nick Mullins had his first killer brain cramp in the NFL, passing up an easy first down run in exchange for a desperation fourth down heave. It allowed the Bears to escape with a 14-9 win over the Niners. Mitch Trubisky threw one touchdown pass. Jordan Howard ran for a score. And the Bears still have a chance uh, for a postseason bye with a win and some help next Sunday. Wes, how did Chicago's offense look today? They were a little hit or miss. I think Mitch Trubisky only had like four incompletions the whole game. 
Um, he had a couple of brainless plays, but then he also had some plays in key situations where he kept the play aligned and hit some big throws or ran for the first down himself. Altogether, I thought an encouraging game for Mr. Trubisky. And and also a game where it just struck me like how much the NFL has changed in terms of what is possible in terms of going for it on fourth down. It was fourth and in, in about a foot from the Bears' own 35-yard line with five minutes to go. And so if they didn't pick it up, they're up by five points at the time. The, the 49ers get the ball in scoring position, and they just go for it. And that's like a normal thing right now. That's very similar situation to when Bill Belichick went for it against the Colts that, that caused like a national controversy. <laughs> and now it's like Matt Nagy's like, of course we're going to go for it on fourth and inches. And they converted, and that was at least part of the reason they ended up winning the game. I locked that up. Hey, you're hot. Wait, what's going on here? Uh, don't don't ask. Is this like when the substitute teacher takes over and everybody acts up? They were they were less of a favorite <laughs> than every other lock in this thing. They were only three and a half point favorites. Less. Don't here. hit out because this is. I mean, struggling right now. I'm gonna ask our listeners to pitch in on this one. I am I hitting out by thinking it's weird to lock up the. Bears against the 49ers? I, I, this is why I don't worry about the mirror. You just If it's seven <laughs> points or under, I take it. Like That was a three-and-a-half, four-point spread there. The Niners had played well lately. And actually, I honestly think the Bears are a little lucky to win this game. The 49ers lost Brent Selleck or Garrett Selleck, Dante Tough Pettis, loss, Garrett and, Selleck. and Matt, Matt Breida in this game at, on a team that's already like so shorthanded. And when you watch this game, do these teams look uneven? It kind of looked like two pretty even teams. That blows my mind. One team has a chance to get a bye. The other team might get the first pick in the draft. And we're taking them in a lock. Okay. All right. Changing the game up on me here at the end. I'm going to start locking up <laughs> whoever. Wesley's crumbling. No, I mean, just like that doesn't pass the mirror test. I mean, they were much less of a favorite. For Only one man can look in the mirror. Than any, than a lot of I'm just going to suggest, as you did, that a couple of people in this room need to purchase new mirrors. <laughs> they appear to be broken, shattered, unworkable. Wes, I think we all need second some. place for the first time this season. Oh, this has nothing to do with me. I'm not picking well. I haven't picked well in a while. I just I didn't know that these were allowed. All right. Now a word from our sponsor. Candid makes it convenient, affordable, and easy to straighten your teeth. Candid's clear aligners are sent directly to your home and customized specifically for you to fix and straighten your teeth. Use their at-home modeling kit and then send back your impressions and some photos. Candid's network of highly trained orthodontists will then review your specific case and provide you with a 3D preview of what your treatment will look like. After you receive your 3D preview, you decide if you want to move forward or not. You can also talk to a real person at any time if you have questions. They'll even set up a video call to walk you through the modeling process. Candid's treatment takes an average of six months and costs 65% less than braces. It will literally save you thousands. You're one step away from getting straighter, whiter teeth. Take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee and go to candidco.com slash around to save 25% on your modeling kit. That's candidco.com slash around to get 25% off the price of your modeling kit. Candidco.com slash around. And before we get to the next game, thank you, Mark. I want to point out that the Chicago Bears, the team around the NFL, they could finish with 12 wins, Greg which would be an all-time team of ATN records, surpassing the 2017 L.A. Rams, who went 11-5. How you like that? You're not getting that knowledge anywhere else. No. Who, I want to know who's keeping these records so well. It's, so a, well. it's a record. 
Didn't the Cardinals also have 11 wins the year we picked them? Maybe. I feel like they might have. Not 12. 12. Yeah. They probably did. What about the Panthers in 2013? Didn't they have 12? Check check in with NFL (laughs) Research downstairs. They gave me that information. Way to go, Bears. No, they didn't. Let's move on. Baker takes the Either way, 12 and 4. Second and 4. Rolls right. Throws down the middle. And Joku's got it. He's at the 40. 45, 50. He's at the 45, 40. 35, 30. 25, 20. 50, 10. 5. Down at the 2-yard line. David and Joku. Big man on the loose. (laughs) Jim Donovan with the call. Baker Mayfield to David and Juco and Joku that clinched it for the the Bears Browns excuse me who jumped out to a big lead in this game and then held off the Bengals final score 26 to 18 the Browns 0 and 16 a year ago are now 7 7 and 1 mark another positive day in a season full of promise it is the first time the Browns have swept a division opponent since 2007 and the first time they've done so against the Bengals since 2002 and I have to say that outside of, you know, they whipped the Bengals last time they played them, but something about this game to me, especially on the defensive side of the ball, felt like one of the most dominant Browns wins I had watched in a long, long time. And you talked about Andrew Luck making the players around him better. We're seeing that with Baker Mayfield because suddenly Brashad Perriman is a thing. This is the third or fourth game where he's made a big play. And the play calling has just been superb from week to week. Nick Chubb, just puts this team on his back from a from a rushing perspective. The defense made big plays. They're playing a banged up Bengals team. I'm not saying it's the you know shocking the world type victory, but they were well coached for the most part. And on that final completion to Najoku, now you can say this this is something you do or you don't want out of your quarterback. I think the Browns will take it a hundred times over. Baker Mayfield raced down the field and caught eyes with Hugh Jackson on the Bengals sideline and basically just didn't, it wasn't any gestures, just eyes, and then he spun around on his axis and jogged backwards, continuing to lock eyes with Hugh Jackson as the game ticked away. And it's the quarterback that Cleveland needs. It might not be the one that another team needs, but he fits perfectly with this Browns team. They have attitude, and they stuck it to Cincinnati today. I don't think One of the team. most disorganized teams I have seen in a long time. I do not how you how you can make any argument for Marvin Lewis to come back and coach this team. This was a disastrous game by the Bengals. Man, I don't know. Well, Marvin any, Lewis is an idiot. I don't know if any team would pass on having a talent like May- Baker Mayfield. I the question I had Maybe downstairs. We trade him to the Patriots. We we talked about we Never. talked about it uh, downstairs. Was it, it seems like, and I think Mayfield loves he loves the cameras on him, and he enjoys this this type of part of the the sport and the competitive nature of it all. Why he's almost like going out of his way to stick it in Hugh's face. And it seems maybe it's more than just the decision to go to the Bengals, maybe. Um, there was maybe more bad blood behind the scenes earlier in the season that we were not aware of because he really seems to have enjoyed this whole turn of events with Hugh getting piled on in uh, Cincinnati. Well, you know what he enjoys is winning, which they never did with Hugh Jackson because of Hugh Jackson. And so I think it's just something he loves that winning moment so much. He's going to He's going to do it. I want that attitude from my quarterback. Right. Yep. I'm sorry. This is football. You're not. This isn't a sewing circle. If if the Browns go to Baltimore next week and win that game, I think they're going to keep Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens. 
I mean, well, I, I, I almost can't imagine them. It's it's weird, but I, I almost can't imagine them not keeping Williams and Kitchens if they end the season on a four-game winning streak, including a win in Baltimore, which would be their most impressive win yet. I think one thing is that, that all these teams amazing. that are sticking with these coaches that seem like they should be let go is it, do, it does seem like there aren't four or five like lock-and-load candidates out there right now. Um, I, I, Freddie Kitchens, you cannot let go of. I don't know how you figure that out. The Greg Williams thing, he's done a much better job than Hugh Jackson. I, I realize personality-wise, he's not the you, easiest you guy, but... You can't make the next coach hire Freddie No, Kitchens. I know, so I if know. if you open so, it up, then it's just... Then it's, you, you have to be ready to lose him. If it's Bruce Arians... That would be your Freddie one... Freddie Kitchens that, has already worked under That would be your, think, one, your one option. Think back to when we did our emergency podcast when the Browns fired uh, their offense coordinator and Hugh Jackson... And what what the general thought process around Greg Williams was at that moment, and now where we are now, that he could potentially keep the job is an incredible thought, uh, and and you can make the case for it. You really can because they they're playing so well down the stretch. And this AFC North isn't over because the Browns are playing too well to dismiss them in any game. And as great as the Ravens are, they invite close games with the style of play. And what a win! What I don't know, you know, a little bit of a revenge on Baltimore. The only you know downside, if the Browns did win that game, is you know you're just letting the Steelers get in the playoffs. So is that really that exciting? Unless the Steelers <laughs> blow another game, that's they've true. shown that, that would be best propensity to do this year. Uh, let's move on. Rodgers in the shotgun. Williams to his left. Here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket throws the middle of the end zone. Wayne Larravee with the call. Packers Radio Network. Aaron Rodgers threw a 16-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. In overtime, uh, Green Bay won the toss and never gave the ball up. The Packers beat the Jets 44-38 at the Meadowlands. Uh, This was a classic uh, Jets loss under the Todd Bowles that we've seen over and over again where they're competitive. They have a lead in the fourth quarter. And the defense, Todd Bowles is a defensive guy. Wilts, uh, they blow a 15-point fourth quarter lead here again. Here, so Todd Bowles, who is going to get fired and justifiably so, um, watches his defense crumble again. And I would imagine Packers fans uh, who have been frustrated with Aaron Rodgers this season, and there is a there is a vocal contingent of Packers fans that believe that Aaron Rodgers has not been criticized enough for what's gone wrong the last two years. Well, especially this year, uh, this was one of those vintage Rodgers games where he kind of did it all and. Um, was frankly unstoppable down the stretch, and the Jets uh, are by no means a defense to, to be fearful of, but he he just sliced the Jets up time and time again. So Aaron Rodgers playing out the string, throws for 442 yards, two touchdowns, ran for two scores, uh, but I would be remiss not to mention the other quarterback in this game, Sam Darnold, uh, who is really coming on strong at the end of the season. Another Great game uh, for Darnold, who threw three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over, threw for a career-high 341 yards. uh, And with a little better play calling in the fourth quarter, I think he probably closes this game out. Uh, But Jeremy Bates and Todd Bowles got tight and made the wrong decisions, and the Packers steal the game in the end. But, Greg, in a way, if you're a Jets fan, you're getting what you want at the end of the season here, which is a ton of optimism around the quarterback and the idea that you finally have found someone to build around. And I absolutely feel that to be the case. And you're not hurting your draft stock. Right. I know you were were very into this game and and disappointed, understandably, when they blew it. But 
it's all about Darnold. And the fact that he's stacking these games one after another where he keeps looking better is is perfect. I mean, I, you couldn't draw it up any better for a little Jets offseason excitement. I, I think what frustrates me The problem more, is you only have one other offensive player that I – literally, Robbie Anderson is the only other offensive player, including just about most of the Chris line – That I care about, Herndon, moving forward. And so you got a ways to go, but you have a quarterback. That's all. Yeah, and they, Elijah McGuire showing some things since he came back, and I still like Anunot, although he's had an off year. He's um, a free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent. I think uh, there's a they have a lot of work to do, but – but I think my disappointment stems from watching four years now of Todd Bowles oh, and yeah. him making the same mistakes over and over again. And that gets frustrating, especially in and all these fourth quarter collapses. If you're Mike McCagnon, the players you initially drafted are close to or if not on their way out and they've already passed through their rookie contracts and there's no progress. What's the argument for him returning? Right, the argument isn't. for him I mean, picking the next coach? They, they, gave, up well, 500, they gave up 540 yeah. yards. To, to the Packers today, and there was one play I saw someone tweet out about. It was like, look at who Rodgers' skill position talent is on this, you know, in this play. It was St. Brown, Valdez Scantling, yeah. Kumaro, Danny Vitell, and Jamal Williams. That was who was surrounding him. No, the Jets, the defense isn't good. And one guy I want to point out before we get out, get out of here and get to Sunday Night Football, Tremaine Johnson, who signed a $70 million contract, one of the highest paid defenders in the league, Another terrible game, got called on a, a P.I. call. The Jets had 16 penalties in this game, which is inexcusable and another product of bad coaching because it's a lack of discipline. Tremaine Johnson, after having another poor game, walks out of the locker room without speaking to reporters. When you sign that contract, mm. part of the deal is you need to be in the locker room and face the music. I don't know if you can figure to him, but. I owe you an apology, Dan. Why is that, Wayne? I was uh, chicken county before they were hatched. <laughs> Why is that? On our sandwich. I laughed at you when you mentioned that Sam Darnold oh, has right. a shot to win December Rookie of the Month, and I think he does have a shot. I think he has a, a very good shot if he closes out on the road against uh, against the Pats with a chance to keep the Patriots out of the of well, second the seed. You the best thing for, you, for the Jets and Browns fans is he probably has to knock Baker Mayfield you know, out of that race too. That it's our quarterbacks for the first time in our lifetime going back and forth. Here. Now, there's, there's juice in that game, and I know Jets fans well enough to know that you know, that would make their season. It would. Especially, take, you of course know, it would. Well, of we course would take it, dropping five spots. In of the, course. In Tom Brady's last regular oh, no. season game. You got you to gotta lose. What? Five spots in the draft is way more valuable than that. It is. No, not knocking Brady out in the final regular season game well, of his career. Well, it's not knocking him out for the season. It well, would be sweet, Wes. It's the last time he'll play I know it's yours. I know your Give side of it. Give me the draft pick. Yeah. You could, there's, there, you could look at it as a no-lose situation. How about that? All right. On to Sunday Night Football. Russell's got to scramble. He's going to go over the top. He's got Baldwin. He reaches up with one hand and makes the catch. And he's down at the goal line. A 29-yard completion. And Kansas City just has no answer for the Seahawk receivers in man-to-man coverage. Doug Baldwin. Holy mackerel. Can you believe he came back on the field? Doug Baldwin with a beautiful catch near the goal line set up the game icing one-yard plunge from Chris Carson and the Seattle Seahawks beat the Kansas City Chiefs final score 38-31 from Seattle and the Seattle Seahawks are going back to the playoffs Uh, they improved to nine and six with the win and they do it in impressive fashion Chris Wessling by beating the Chiefs outscoring the Chiefs more big plays than the Chiefs. The Seattle Seahawks once again show that they are a dangerous team in the NFC. 
Yeah, Eric Weddle said after the Ravens' victory Saturday night, I know for a fact that nobody wants to see us in the playoffs. You have to imagine that goes just as much for the NFC and the Seahawks. Two different styles of play. And the Seahawks have a much better quarterback than the Ravens do. So that, to me, they have to be even scarier. Well, they'll be on the road almost certain or very good chance it'll be in Dallas. But this game was a reminder how great Russell Wilson, not like we need a reminder, but just how great he can be. And kudos to Brian Schottenheimer for Again. not not playing to his type, which even Seahawks fans this season have complained about, about run, run, pass. How about throwing the ball deep with a rainmaker on uh, second and twelve? With three minutes left in this game, that set up the Baldwin catch that also was on a second down. The Seahawks played to win. They did not play conservative at all. They knew the opponent they were facing, uh, and it was impressive offensively. If that Rams-Chiefs game was the standard bearer of primetime explosiveness, this game had just as many incredibly beautiful throws. Russell Wilson making something out of Ed Dixon, who we used to make fun of when he was labeled as a move tight end by, I think, the Panthers or someone years ago. He's (laughs) making plays, but it's Doug Baldwin. It's Tyler Lockett. And I'll tell you once again, Pete Carroll has my vote for Coach of the Year because what he's done with this team and what he's morphed them into, they would go into Dallas and they would knock Dallas out. They are now 9-6, and six, as I said. They started 0-2. They lose Earl Thomas to a season-ending injury. They're written off by everyone, including myself uh, and thousands of others in the football cognizance. Hey, speak for yourself. Greg, Greg was on the Seahawks bus to some degree. He was. Greg so uh, keeps his streak uh, alive, always correct. In this case, Greg, <laughs> hey, you never said no one. <laughs> you, you, you were the one that believed in them, though, Greg. See, you know, it's the one thing I got I got. He, right before this season, but the Seahawks showed, I think, in this, I mean, the, this game, the kind, of, the kind of problems the Chiefs have, especially without Kendall Fuller, because the pass rush was getting to Wilson. They, they couldn't get him down. They can't tackle. I oh. mean, you mentioned Ed Dixon. That, to me, was a turning point. They had a third and 15 play to Ed Dixon. You're missing Ed Dixon in the open field. You got you know, new cornerbacks coming in for them that are just flying by him. And some of these were just great plays by Baldwin, but there was shoddy tackling, and the Chiefs have a lot of short drives on offense and a lot of missed tackles on defense. It's a bad combo. And Patrick Mahomes, the numbers look great, as they always do with Mahomes. Uh, but in the first half, he left some plays on the field. I'm thinking uh, specifically of a wide-open Travis Kelsey. Uh, is this a different game if he connects with that on that throw? Well, by the score, yes, it was. But in general, Mahomes didn't heat up until the second half, and Russell Wilson was just the more consistent quarterback in this game. I think some Chiefs fans are starting to doubt their own team. This team has some chinks in the armor. They can't stop the run. Their secondary is horrendous. They're not protecting Mahomes as well as they did earlier in the year, and they've shown that they want to outscore everyone, but they can't outscore the good teams. They lost to the Patriots, they lost to the Rams, they lost to the Chargers, and they lost to the Seahawks. All those teams are getting 30 points. Well, they're not the same team away from Arrowhead. I mean, I mean that's true of most teams, but they've, for the most part, not played their best on the road, including after the bye struggling with with the Raiders. I mean, how can you, if you're a Chiefs fan who has the most haunted playoff run of just about anyone in the last 20 years, how can you not be a little freaked out when you're two and three in your last, you know, five games, and right? They, mag- were, they were nine and one. And it and it magnifies that Chargers lost from last night. And that was not a close game. So there's not a lot of wiggle room for Chargers fans to rethink about that contest. But had they ever pulled that out, because they both have cupcakes. It's the Broncos and the, and the Raiders respectively next week. That the Chiefs have the edge, right? 
The Chiefs, the Chiefs have to win to get the they home do. field advantage. Technically, the Patriots are still alive for home field because the Chiefs, in theory, and Chargers could both lose, and then the Patriots could slide in there. But that seems it's. I can't believe a world where the Raiders go on the road on a short week and win in Week 17. What happens when the Patriots lose to the Jets? How far do the Patriots fall? Mm. They, they the, slide. Depends maybe. on the old Jags. Down to, down to four. Depends on the old Jags. Wow, very interesting. Uh, yeah, I would under. I get why Chiefs fans would be a little bit nervous. You you worry about some of these teams. You know the idea of peaking uh, during the wrong time of the season and who can really get it going. The Chiefs now they feel like they can be top, but they still, as things stand, are the first seed in the AFC. And you like their chances in their building in a big game, even if they're not invincible. But nobody is in the league right the now. The biggest no. issue for me is that the that what would be cupcakes in the fifth and sixth seeds in other years in the AFC are absolutely not. If it winds up being something like the Colts and the Ravens, both of those teams would scare me if I'm the Chiefs. We just saw that game a few weeks ago, and the Ravens almost won. Definitely played them evenly. Well, the Ravens now can't be a wild card, right? Uh, Because either the Titans or the Colts are going to win. And so it's it's AFC North or bust for the Ravens and the Steelers. One of those teams is going to be the four seed. But it, it, it is amazing how all these teams, and I even throw the Saints in there. It's like the top 10 even almost 12 teams in the league, whoever's going to make the playoffs, there's just not, there's just not a huge gap between any of them in a given week. It's just the, it's just the reality. It's going to be a lot of fun, isn't it, Greg? Playoffs, best time of year. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, that's it for our uh, week 16 recap. And of course, uh, in two days it will be Christmas. So uh, for those that celebrate the holiday and. Uh, uh, happy, uh, Merry Christmas to you and um, to all your families. And thank you for listening to our show. It's a gift that you are. Your gift to us is just listening mm. to our podcast. That's a good. That's all we could ask. That's of a you good way to listen. say it. And our gift to you is you can listen to our podcast. Yes. I mean, on Christmas all week, just go back and kind of, you know, write reviews, crank up those downloads, spend the time off. By upping our numbers. Yes. And uh, Mark, how about a little Secret Santa? Here, this is for you. It's Thank Baker you. Mayfield. Thank you, and I will give you a gift right back. Darnold, Sam. S-Darn? S-Darn. Darn. What does Greg get? Greg gets 15 years of Patriots ugly football that will take him deep into his 50s. Lump of cool. <laughs> I mean, cool. I timed it up right. I Wes, got, I got the football during my prime. Wes gets the Bengals back. I get the Brian Hoyer experience <laughs> next year. I was going to say, Wes gets a child in 17 months. Mm. I'll take it. There healthy child. No uh, West of it. Very healthy. Sure. A beautiful, bouncing boy named Cletus. <laughs> Not named Cletus or Barnaby. <laughs> uh, Cam, good job behind the glass filling in for uh, Ricky Hollywood. Thank you kindly. Don't take her sh- You got to push back on her. I know she thinks she can boss you around. But push back. Or Dan, who keeps adding, you know, editing elements for you to deal with coming out of this. <laughs> she's mean when she's sober, so I can't do uh, too yeah. much in the workspace. Yeah, she, she mad Great work, buddy. And uh, Merry you. Christmas to you, pal. Thank you. You guys, too. Thanks, Cam. All right. This is it. That's it. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Camolina behind the glass. Until when? Oh, we have a different schedule. Until uh, Thursday. 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 Next time you'll hear from us. Also, our Twitter show is Thursday. Until then.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.